This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Oh, yes, guy. Wow, we got it in early. That was recorded two hours ago. Oh, yes, guy. Game three. Coverage starts at 7 right here on TSN 1050. It's a long day for me. It's a long day for Matt Cause will be with me. And what about Paul Jones? I mean, it's 8 o'clock in San Francisco, and Jonesy is on the line with us. Paul, how are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you, man? Good. Yeah, you got to keep those vocal cords moist, guy. I mean, come on. I don't want to stretch out here. <laughs> I mean, you you know good, this team. Good to, good to go. Waited 24 years for this that's, one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know this team as well as anybody. And, and the Raptors' win has a, a familiar tone to it, and the Raptors' loss has a similar tone to it. In both cases, Kawhi Leonard would lead the way. But the, the loss is shots don't drop, and some of the starters aren't contributing offensively. And for me, when the shots don't drop, it's because they're not moving the ball, they're not working, and it's almost a bailout. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, they, they are getting good looks. Some of them were really good looks. And, and you know, it's the nature of the league in terms of, you know, the, the make or miss. And the thing is, Jim, they're not turning shots down. That's when you run into trouble. Uh, I think the other part of it, too, is you've got to give Golden State's defense some credit. Uh, Toronto, Toronto shot themselves in the foot, especially in that run in the third quarter. If I'm not mistaken, they had at least four or five turnovers in that 18-0 run by Golden State. So uh, it was actually 20-0 dating back to the, 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 begin, the end of the second quarter. So... You can't you can't have live ball turnovers. You just like that's you know that those are things in a loss when um, you know you're you're missing shots, but you're turning it over. You can't get back and stop three on ones and four on twos. So uh, you know they they de- they do get decent looks. They, those have to go down, but at the same time, you can help yourself by not turning the ball over. Um, you know, getting back on defense too, and and applying some pressure to try to get some easy ones yourself. They did, they did a good job of that in game one. Uh, not so much in game two. And having said that, though, I mean, I, I think most of us would have expected that after five straight wins in a good first half, it was only a matter of time before they either flatlined or just came up flat. And, and obviously the 18-0 run tells you that that's when it happened. And it was going to happen, though, wasn't it? At some point, yeah. Uh, I mean, and this is a quality opponent. I mean, you... It's like horse racing. Every time you step up in the in the in the class or step up in the quality of horse you're running against, the competition gets tougher. And these guys have been in the finals five times. They're two-time defending champs, so uh, it doesn't take much. I mean, look at at one point in that game, the Raptors did have a 12-point lead in game two. They really did. And uh, you know that third quarter, you you can't afford to to you know go down double figures to a team with that that the quality of Golden State with that kind of firepower, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing, you're uphill, you're playing uphill. You, you got to stay close. Um, you know, I, I give Nick Nurse credit. He called timeouts during the run, but at the same time, like when shots aren't dropping, like I said, and you're turning it over, it's, it's very, very tough to make up ground. And, and when they did turn it around uh, later in the third quarter, most of the fourth quarter, what kind of adjustments did you see? Um, well, Part of it, shots going down. The other part of it is is uh, the defensive pressure. You just look at the video between Game One and Game Two. Uh, in Game One, Golden State had now they were uh, rusty in a sense. They'd been off for ten days, 
but Toronto was up into them. The, the three major tenets of defense are pressure on the ball, deny one pass away so there's no easy catch and they can't just move the ball easily to start their offense, and help from, well, two passes away, weak side help. I, I talk about this all the time in football, and this is where, I mean, in football, in hockey, in soccer, anytime you take away the person's time and space, it forces mistakes. And in game one, that's what Toronto did. They, 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 were, they were up on Golden State. They, you know, they, no room at all. And then you look at what, what starts to happen in game two, Golden State starts to, to meet that with, with better ball movement. As soon as the pressure starts to come, there's hard cuts. They free themselves up. They move the ball. I mean, they had, they had 38, sorry, 34 assists on their 38 field goals. 22 baskets had 22 assists in, in uh, the second half, which is ridiculous. And it tells you about their ball movement and what they did. So um, give them some credit. Uh, but if you're Toronto, you still have to play that way. You've got to keep the defense ramped up, and you just can't let these guys get comfortable. Well, moving the ball, I mean, I go back to the second quarter of game one where it was almost like a clinic, even though it didn't work for them. Uh, Golden State can throw that ball around so fast. It, I mean, if you stop and watch it, you're dead. Yeah, no, that's that's what they do. Uh, they're one of the best passing teams ever. And the fact that they can stretch the floor with guys like, like Curry and Thompson, and he's not playing right now, but Durant shooting from, you know, three, four, five feet behind the three-point line. It used to be get as close to the line as possible. Now Steph Curry's shooting from the logo. I mean, he's shooting from, from the, you know, the, the midcourt, the bottom of the center circle at midcourt, and now you've got to respect that. You can't just say, oh, well, let him take that. No, he's going to make it. So now you have to be aware of that, and it, it just pulls the defense out, and it gives more space to operate in behind. Cousins had a remarkable game, too, just based on the fact that you know he didn't play much in game one and had been out for, for so long. How do you see him evolving in this series? Will, will we see more of him? Well, I, I think putting him into the lineup, um, I mean, it gives them somebody to play against Marcus Gasol. Uh, you can kind of freelance off Kevon Looney. Uh, you know, he won't play anymore, but you can kind of freelance off him because Really, all he's going to do, he might take the odd mid-range shot. He's certainly not going to step out to three, and he doesn't have the, the, the array and the, the, the package of, of post moves that a DeMarcus Cousins has. When Cousins is on the floor, suddenly you have to pay attention to him. It gives him another guy that can score on the outside, score on the inside, and pass the ball. He was four assists away from a triple-double. And, and it's not like his shooting percentage was great. He was three of eight. But he was willing to take eight shots. And when he's got the ball, you've got to pay attention to him. So, I mean, I, I think the thing for Marcus All is, is uh, and, and or Serge Ibaka when they're in there, I don't know how much you're going to see them together in this series. Uh, you've got to hurt Cousins at the other end. He was in early foul trouble. He was. And he kind of uh, was able to survive and, and, and keep his head up above water because he didn't, he didn't suffer any further fouls. So, um, he's, he's another guy. I mean, he's an all-star. People forget that. He's an all-star, and he's a guy that Toronto's going to have to deal with. I mean, he got away with some stuff early in that game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, but it's, I say this all the time, and I, I know that um, a lot of Raptor fans are on this about the officials. Yeah, it wasn't a great whistle, but the, the whistle wasn't great either way. If you look at the, the number of fouls, it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, there were, there were times when the Raptors got away with stuff, too. So I, I say this all the time. Toughest job 
of any of the four major sports is officiating an NBA game in, in terms of the officials. And you can, you can have a, a call on, on every play if you wanted to. So, um, you know, he gets away with stuff, but some teams work off the premise, Jim, that just foul every time because they can't call them all. I'll tell you what, I agree with that. I'll tell you what I like about the NBA more so than the other sports. Their review system seems to be the best in that there's not much in the way of negotiation. It happens, uh, and, and, and it's accepted into the game, and it just seems to support, or it doesn't seem to be as obtrusive as the other sports. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, to me, the best review is still tennis. It's quick, it's decisive, uh, but the NBA is, I, I'm I'm glad that they that they use the review the way they do, and a lot of people complain about the length of time. Um, I mean, I think some of that could be shortened by the replay officials. As soon as there were, uh, is a review triggered, they look at it and say, "Here's what we see. We either confirm or we overturn what you've called on the floor and and get on with it." But I mean, I like the review system and I like the, the triggers that they have. Um, in fact, I'd like to see them put some more in. There's one that I'd like to see put in on a, on a shot clock violation, but for the most part, I mean, the timing of it, um, you know, the fact that you can review a block charge in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime, um, you know, those, those kinds of things. I, I, I like the way their, their review system has evolved. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because of the way the game is with the timeouts, uh, more so than the other sports, uh, but it just seems to, to fit into what's happening. It, some of the other sports, when you go to a review, it seems to be a big ordeal, and then you're never happy with it anyway. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think, <laughs> Jim. You're right. I, I don't think people like the fact that you know the game has been stopped, and you've got to go look at it. But it's all about getting it right. And and I mean, if you if you can't get it right, it just. I mean, it has a huge impact on the game. Um, you know, people will say, "Well, basketball, there's so many possessions." and it's only one play, but man, you got key plays at key times in the game, and it just it just it can swing the whole nature of the game if if it's you know if it's let go. So, I, I mean, I like the way the review system is done. I, I like the transparency uh, that the NBA has with you know things like their last two minute report. And I mean, the officials are under a lot of scrutiny. It's a tough job, but um, you know, I like that the NBA is being transparent and trying to do it in the best way possible. Uh, OG was on the bench in the last game, did not play. Do you see him? working his way into this series? Uh, maybe as a defender, Jim. Maybe as a defender, uh, if there's foul trouble. I mean, he hasn't played the entire playoffs. And, you know, and, and now we're in the finals. And the thing that you could probably use him for is if there's foul trouble to guard people. Um, you know, he's, he's a good standstill three-point shooter. He could help you out in that way. But I, I'd be surprised if he got major minutes um, and 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 started to be you know tried to be a bigger part of the offense. It's just it's just he's been out for so long, and he's the kind of guy that kind of has to adjust when he comes in. It's not like Golden State when they get Kevin Durant back, he's going to get the ball. You're going to adjust to him. Uh, it's not the case with OG, but I, I still think uh, in terms of long athletic defenders uh, to guard guys like you know a Draymond Green, a Kevin Durant if he comes back, OG could definitely be a help. Uh, Jonesy, just before we let you go, I mean, everybody understands the scene at Scotiabank Arena, Jurassic Park, and throughout southern Ontario, and and indeed across the country when the Raptors play at home, and and some of that will be uh, duplicated tonight, even though it's a road game. But but the Oracle, the Warriors at home in an NBA final in a playoff game, and this is their their NBA finals opener. What do the Raptors step into here? 
uh, a very, very loud, just take Scotiabank Arena and flip it around. Hmm. And um, it, it, I think it holds a little bit, bit more of a special meaning in that this, I mean, we've got max three games left at Oracle, three, four, and maybe six. That's it. And this crowd loves their team. They were, you know, they were supporting this team in, in the dark days when they were, you know, a really bad team. This place was still filled. Um, and, and they, you know, they celebrate this group. So it's, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be what it was at Scotiabank Arena, except you're on the other side of the fence. So the, the key is to be uh, really solid early. Get off to a good start. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, keep, keep your offense going so you can score to stay in the game. Uh, you know, play really good defense, rebound. The first two, three, four minutes of the game is played on all emotion. And if you get down, um, get down big and start to have your confidence waver, you could be in trouble, Jim. And I, I think, look, I, I'll say this. I think the Raptors team is experienced enough and has been through it enough in the first three rounds. I mean, lose game one at home to Orlando, then come back and win four straight. Lose two and three to Philadelphia. And, you know, you're, you're, you could be on the ropes if you go down 3-1, and that atmosphere was pretty hostile. And then we all saw what happened in Milwaukee, and they were able to – uh, bounce back from 2-0 and win probably the most important game of the series besides the clincher game five in Milwaukee. So uh, they're prepared for it. Uh, they just you know have to go out and execute, look after the ball, play defense, and just do their best to try and ro- ride some of the emotion on their end uh, of the court. Paul, thanks for your time, uh, and we'll speak later tonight. Thank you. All right, Jim. That is Paul Jones. At Paul underscore Jones is the Twitter account. He will have the accounts and descriptions of tonight's Game 3 live from the Oracle in Oakland, California, as we have Game 3, the Raptors and Warriors all tied at 1. Jack Armstrong will be sitting beside him tonight, and we'll speak to him on the pregame show. Our coverage formally starts at 7, and unofficially it's all day long, all week long, right here on TSN 1050. Arad, just hop on for a second. Uh, you know that thing, that point I was making about uh, the, the review system in the NBA just seems to fit more into what's happening. I mean, there are things there that you understand are going to be reviewed because that's the nature of the game and, and that's how their, their um, review system works. Some of the other sports, it's a little more blatant, isn't it? It's, uh, it's more black and white with the NBA. There's no gray area like the NFL, what's a catch, like the NHL, what's goalie interference. It's out or it's not, right? It's block or it's charge. It got out of the hands of the shooter on time or it didn't. So the fact that it's more clear, it's more black and white, it's more set in stone, right? It's much easier for fans to understand. Well, and, and the charge calls is a really good one because a lot of times the on-court official will, will mess the call up. But there's an understanding that it's reviewed and... and you you know the call is made. It's either backed or it's reversed, and away you go. Some of the other sports, it just turns into a big debate. Exactly, it becomes like, do we enforce the letter of the law? Do we enforce the spirit of the law? Like, or my favorite is when the commentator says, "Well, I think they were looking at this because nobody really knows, right? Because of the inconsistency. One night it's reviewed one way. This is a hockey thing, and the other night it's like, oh, they're not calling that tonight, even though they reviewed it. You never really know what the criteria is." 
My favorite is uh, when I watch Sunday Night Football and Al Michaels always trying to explain the official's point of view, and he's always like, well, I don't know, at the end. He always ends up with, well, I don't know. Well, inevitably, that's where you end up with. But I, I think I, I like the NBA system the best. It just seems to be more true to, to the, uh, I guess, the marching orders of getting it correct. Uh, in other sports, it, well, we're, we're going to get this one correct, but we'll forget about the next four uh, because of the limitations on it. When we come back, we're going to hear from Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, Nick Nurse, and maybe DeMar DeRozan. Wow. Oh, that's an interesting clip. I hope we have time for that. I want to get into that. And Steve Simmons will follow. And, of course, at the top of the hour, Leafs Lunch with Andy Petrillo. You're listening to Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available. Oh, yes, guy, on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Wow, a little CCR. Interesting. They from the Bay Area? Really? Wow, did not know that. 50 years I've been walking around going, where the heck is CCR from? And now I know. <laughs> All right, Raptor Shootaround continues. It uh, limps forward. TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Jim Taddy with you until noon. And uh, then we'll have Andy Petrello and Leafs Lynch, followed by Matt Cos, followed by Overdrive, followed by the pregame show. All live here on TSN 1050. Uh, let's get into some uh, sound from yesterday. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, what is, there's a lot of differences between game one and game two, but one of the first ones that jumps off the page is what happened in the opening minutes in game one. Three from Gasol, three from Green. And that didn't happen in game two, although, you know, the Raptors did have a 12-point lead in the first half in Game 2, and that didn't last. Uh, but the shooting wasn't there. Uh, Gasol had only six points, and Danny Green had eight. So Danny Green yesterday was asked about having to win on the road, and obviously he's got to contribute more offensively. That's no different than what it has been all year. Um, you know, if you want to be a championship team, you have to win on the road. Um, obviously, the series is tied 1-1 right now, and uh, in order to get home court back, we have to win one here. And it would be nice to start with, you know, Game 3. There's so many guys in this series now somewhere between hurt and injured. Or um, How much does the calculus change in the playoffs on what you can play through versus the regular season? Oh, man, uh, I guess it, it depends on how, how bad the injury is, but uh, a lot of bumps and bruises you're going to play through unless it's something serious. Um, it sucks that they have so many guys out and injured. Uh, obviously, we want to play against a 100% healthy team. Um, but, you know, it's the name of the game. Usually the team that, that makes it or wins it is a, you know, the best team playing the best basketball or also the healthiest team. And they've been that, that team for the last, you know, four or five years now. Um, it seems as if it might be catching up with them. But said, uh, hopefully all those guys are playing. You know, it would be nice to compete against them because that's what we love to do. We love to take on the challenge of playing against, the, you know, their best uh, guys. With the Spurs, was there one run that was toughest for you given what you were playing through at the time? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, probably last year, the groin injury. Didn't know how serious it was until the end of the season, but, um, you know, there's been some seasons up and down, but probably last year with the groin injury. Dream, I would say, it's not just physically, it's not just mentally, it's that emotionally at the end of a run, you're just done. I mean, can, can you articulate kind of where you're at? Uh, yeah, so I can imagine going to, you know, four or five, I think they've been a five, Dream, it's probably been a five finals back-to-back. Um, I've been a two, and it's a short summer, it's a quick turnaround, so just as much as it is draining physically, uh, mentally and emotionally, it, it's you know it's even tougher, and usually that's the team that comes out on top. The team that's more locked in, and that's you know not as emotionally or mentally drained is the team that's you know the freshest and that's usually going to come out on top. But you know it, it's tough. It's been a long season, um, and we got about we got to just finish it off strong. We have about two weeks left, hopefully a week and a half, and you know the team that actually can focus and lock in for that last that stretch is usually the team that's going to come out on top. 
We expect them to be loud as well. Obviously, they want to win another championship. Um, you know, this is a, it's a great atmosphere here. Uh, but um, we have to do a good job of trying to keep the crowd out of it, not let them get on runs and, and continue to play good defense, but offensively not turn it over and not have any lulls in any parts of the game, uh, especially third quarter. Uh, not when it comes to that type of strategy, no. You mean in the boxing one? We haven't spoken about it. We hadn't spoken about it. Yeah, but previous to the last game, we hadn't spoken about it. <laughs> Obviously, before we did it, we had to talk about it. But, I mean, previous to that game, it wasn't something that was like, oh, you know, should we try this? Should we throw it in? So, so not specific to the boxing one, are there other strategies that you consult you guys with during, during different games? Some, some. Um, and, and some have worked, some haven't. But he said he's, he's obviously a new coach first year. Um, but he has a lot of good strategies that work, and he also wants to hear what we have, what we feel comfortable doing, implementing on that end of the floor, um, seeing who's comfortable guarding what, and you know who, who strengths and weaknesses are, and especially on the defensive end of the floor. So um, yeah, we've all communicated and, and tried to get on the same page to make sure our, our defense has been pretty solid for most of the year. Um, it's not been the problem for us. Uh, for us, is the reason is offense, and the reason why our defense, I guess, has had some lulls because our offense has been bad in terms of turning the ball over or you know getting bad shots, which is not allowed defense to get set. Danny Green, as he spoke yesterday, so we're going to spend a few moments on the box and one. And uh, from just from those comments, you understand, you know, the, probably the hidden story here is Nick Nurse and his coaching ability. And so throw something at the team with a, a situation that could turn embarrassing one way or the other because the, the Warriors had just gone on that run. And also, if the box and one doesn't work, then... Then what are you left with? So for those that like hockey, the box and one is like a, a, a four-man penalty kill, four guys in a box. And in this case, the Raptors are not shorthanded. So the one, as this was explained to me by Arad, is 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 uh, Freddie V, and he's moving around. And, and so now that you know what the system is, go back to the, the visual in your mind of how it worked, and it kept everybody to the outside. Certainly uh, when the Raptors were going on their run, when the Warriors came down the floor, they couldn't do anything. So that's an effective sort of ad-lib call. And it wasn't just Danny Green who was out about it. Kyle Lowry was as well. Never practiced that ever. I don't <laughs> think I've ever ran boxing one in my life. I'm gonna be honest with you. What What did he tell you you needed to do? Like literally, he drew Fred F F V. <laughs> he said, "You, <laughs> this is Steph. You You have Steph." He put me, Kawhi, Pascal, and Mark on the board and spots, and said, "Stand there." So <laughs> I mean, it was just like you know, play defense and listen. I, like I, I don't make too much of it because you know it is what it is with our head coach. He wanted us to do that, and that's what we did. And I mean, you can always say this about it or that about it. You can laugh at it. You could clown it. It is what it is. Like you know, so it, it's just like playing zone. And you know, when the zone first got introduced in the NBA, guys were like zone, but it was just like a zone. But I mean, do, do, do you kind of respect the fact that he's willing to do things that are not I mean, uh, whatever nothing, else does? Nothing Nick does surprises me now on the basketball, like on the court, you know, as a coach. I, it doesn't surprise me. Um, that one kind of caught me off guard, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, innovative. Um, just to follow up on that, he did say he kind of consulted with you guys. And my question is, 
does he has he consulted on you guys often during the season on various strategies uh, to kind of play your opponents? Yeah, Nick is um, very um, you know player friendly. He's very um, you know he'll access this or that, and um, you know he'll say, "Are you guys comfortable with doing this, or what do you think about this or that?" Um, you know, and a lot of the times the situations that he puts us in um, are to be successful. You know. Um, He's done a good job of, you know, this year letting Pascal play kind of point forward games and, um, you know, putting out different type of offenses and schemes and, you know, defensive schemes. And, um, you know, he's been a, he's been really good. I mean, I mean, we're in the finals for a reason and he's helping us get he's helped us get here. KD is out. Looney is out. Clay is, Clay is questionable. Do you come into game three with a, any sort of sense of urgency that this is an opportunity you guys have to really have to seize? I think we come into a sense of urgency, period. No matter you know um, the situation, we we want to win as many games. We want to be the first of four, and every game is an urgent game. You're in the NBA Finals, so it doesn't matter. Um, they still got professional basketball players down there, and they're really talented basketball players. So uh, you still got to be ready to go out there and play your butt off and play hard. Kyle, you guys had two stretches in that game. Obviously, the first six minutes of the third. And the last five, six minutes of the game, I think you generated five free throws out of those two stretches. Uh, anything about them um, that stand out to you, why you guys could go so cold for nearly a quarter of the game? Um, just didn't play aggressive. We didn't play with enough pace. Um, you know, we watched the film and saw things that we wish we had back. And those, you know, first three minutes of the third quarter, we wish we'd had back. Um, you know, we got a couple shots that we missed. Um, just the overall urgency of coming out with the third quarter, knowing how good they are as a good third quarter team, we got to be a little bit more um, aggressive and assertive. Um, but just the fact that you kind of felt them there a little bit in the third quarter showed resiliency in the fourth period, almost coming back and winning the game. Do you think it was kind of a good learning experience just to kind of get their best shot there in the third quarter as the series goes along? Um, I don't know if that was their best shot. We just, you know, they made a run and we continued to play. You know, the basketball is a game of runs and um, we're never going to stop doing what we do. We want to continue to try to play hard and win the basketball game. As that's unfolding, like that third period run, just knowing that they've done that to other teams, it, uh, you guys missed some open shots. Does that mentally affect you a little bit as, as you go through that period there? No. We still had a chance to win the game at the end of the game. We just kept playing and kept working. Kyle Lowry, I, I like what he got into off the top about that box and one and how Nick Nurse uh, threw it at the players and they talked about it and implemented it and it worked. I mean, if you could apply that, see if you can apply that to your own life. You're working somewhere and there's a deadline approaching or something has to be completed by by a certain point and as you get close to the end, there's a bit of a problem and your boss walks in and says, guys, uh, you know, let's try this and, and, and it works. That's not every boss, I got to tell you that, and you know that. And and for Nick Nurse to do that and and uh, have it work and have the players sort of buy into it, I mean that's that's a yeah. You know what it is? Yes guy. It's a yes guy, the ultimate yes guy for the Raptors because it really worked and and just another layer of what Nick Nurse brings to the table. Speaking of Nick, here he is talking about the impact of Cousins in Game Two and what lies ahead. Yeah, I mean he obviously uh, came out with a. Um, um, certain game plan against Gasol, right? The first possession of the game, he went out and damn near tackled him, right? And then the ball went out of bounds and he clobbered him again on the way out of bounds. So he was obviously going to go out there and try to physically intimidate him. Um, 
but he also, you know, he did the same. He he, he passed the ball pretty well. Um, he was a, he was a big presence in there. He, I thought he hit a big big three. We didn't you know didn't close out to him quite hard enough. We were there, but wasn't good enough. And he made it. Kind of kept things ticking over. I think when we were we were um, you know up maybe ten, and he you know cut it to seven or something like that in the first half. But uh, no, he played great. And I figured you know he's I mean, he's an all star player. He's got tons of talent. He's a big body. I uh, figured as the series goes on and he gets the timing back and the thing, he'll keep playing better. Can you just maybe walk us through your decision to go box and one with Fred against Steph at the end of the fourth quarter or the last half of the fourth quarter? And um, maybe some of your thinking about being willing to try kind of unusual things in a very, uh, you know, in the spotlight. Well, um, we were having trouble getting our defense set up. We were having trouble at the basket a little bit. Um, and and we were having trouble with the rhythm of the game there. And usually, you know, you, you use like any zone, so it's a type of zone. You know, that's what you're using zone for a lot. You know, you and I have talked about this before. We, we played some zone during the regular season, and you usually do it to when the, when the game's funky and there's a bad rhythm, and maybe you can change it, right, just just by – slowing them down or stopping some of their cutting or or whatever and it seemed to it seemed to protect the rim better for us and stop some of their cutting um and it was it was it was good um i don't know i was just trying to come up with something to stop them but but i mean i think steve kerr well steve kerr was here and saying he he'd never seen it in the nba before and uh you know he said someone threw one at him when he was in grade nine so he's very proud about that <laughs> yeah i know everybody's making fun of me for it right <laughs> But that, no, but that's sort of the point. I'm sure you maybe you were, you were probably subject to a box of one in Carroll one time. I'm sure. No, I was no. never that kind of player. Right. Go on. <laughs> but um, but the point is is like your team hadn't practiced that. I'm guessing, and you know to like did you just come up with it on the spur of the moment, like at a timeout, uh, you know, and and then again to have the faith to roll something out there that in that circumstance. Well, in all in all those things, like like. Um, First of all, um, your players have to have some faith in it, right? And I got a sense of from them that they were good with it in the timeout. You know, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about going boxing one. What do you guys think? And and they were like, well, what does that look like? And I, you know, I drew the box up and who would be where? Not, 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 you know, they just wanted, and they, and they kind of liked the looks of, you know, Mark and Quiet being down and, you know, Kyle up and and Fred chasing, and they were yeah. Let's and, and Kyle was kind of the one that said, yeah, man, that's gonna that'll work. Let's go. And that kind of that kind of lets you, I don't know, let you share the responsibility a little bit, and we all we're all on the same page, and we leave the huddle, and we're all good with it. So that's that's uh, that helps. Nick Nurse, I got to say, I like listening to him speak. I, uh, all of the the Raptors are really good at this. They take you inside the game, and and so what you've learned is the box and one is is a something that uh, that comes out of nowhere in a key situation administered by a coach who is reading the situation. You know, not every coach is like that. Uh, you know, I go back to the boss thing. Some people have this, this these marching orders. You have to follow them to a T, whether or not they're relevant. And and when you could adjust on the fly in a big game like that, I mean, that just wakes everybody up. It's like, whoa, this guy's actually understanding what goes on. Because I don't know what you know about players, but the players know first, regardless of what the sport. When something's not right, the player knows first because he's actually involved in it. And if there's no reaction to what's going wrong, uh, that's that's not a good sign. But when you have a guy on the on the bench that 
pulls everybody aside in the timeout, and he called the timeout and says, here's what we're going to do. Players are absolutely on board with that because they already know. They're looking for the solution. It's not, I mean, you can do things individually, but it, but it's the group call it at the sideline. Here's what we're going to do. And it's an ad lib call. And by the way, you know, somebody says, let's do box and one. And an NBA player says, what? What the heck is that? And then you explain the theory and go, oh, yeah, that can work. I mean, talk about having everybody on the same page. That is, a, I mean, that is, that's yes guy in capital letters. That, that's what that is. Coming up next, Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Oh, yes, the NBA Finals would be a journey. Not a bad turnaround. Friday morning on First Up, Landsberg and Koliakov will be announcing a Raptors playoff keyword. Brian Hayes will then give you the cue to call during overdrive Friday afternoon. The first person through with the correct keyword will win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors in Game 5 Monday night. The NBA Finals courtesy TSN 1050. Final segment for Raptors shoot around for this day. Uh, all kinds of Raptors coverage all day long on TSN 1050 with Matt Cause at 1 o'clock. Andy Petrillo has Leafs lunch at noon. And of course overdrive 4 to 7 and then we take over with the pregame game show and uh, game three live on tsn 1050 uh please have with us now from the toronto sun steve simmons on site steve how are you i am well jim good morning good morning yeah, i got a couple of sort of outside the box questions to start off with um and and the the first one would be you do a lot of face-to-face conversations with coaches and athletes i play a lot of this stuff but you're actually there uh, in terms of the raptors and i don't know if it's just the nba finals or not but these guys are, are pretty engaging and actually you know there's not a lot of cliches in the answers they actually talk to what's happening in the game don't they absolutely and, and if you start with steve kerr what a delightful man he seems to be again you don't know them personally because you're, you're sitting you know in a, in a press conference type atmosphere asking asking questions. It's kind of like a theater almost. Uh, and he's just, he gives you a great answer to just about any question. And he, he seems like the kind of guy, and I tweeted this the other day, he seems like the kind of guy you really want to be friends with. Like sometimes you meet somebody and say, you know, I'd like to be friends with that guy. And Steve Kerr, who, who's, who's got opinions and he's thoughtful and he's interesting and he's funny and there's, there's so much about him to like. Um, Nick Nurse is, is, is sort of just figuring all this out. Uh, this is his first year. This is his first year on the big stage. Um, and and I, I wrote a piece, and I don't know if you saw it the other day, about the public Nick Nurse and the private Nick Nurse. And and they are two different people right now, and he's trying to keep it that way. You know, he wants to be the basketball coach on the one hand, and he'll be the dad and the husband and, and the the family guy on the other hand and and it's you know he doesn't show you that guy very much but he does give you know again basketball answers to questions and he's not afraid you know he's not like you know what maybe our our closest that maybe we're used to hockey so much that we get those boring cliche you know dull answers the NBA is, is a different world, and it, it's a much more expansive world. Yeah, they, they seem to sort of rise above everything and, and understand that you're engaging in conversation about the, the nuances of the game, and, and that's a win-win for everybody. Well, I think, I think some of it is, is the social aspect of the game. It's a game that, um, that uh, sort of puts on stage, if you want to call it that, individuals. It's about Kawhi Leonard. It's about Steph Curry. It's about Clay Thompson. 
It's about Draymond Green. It's about Kyle. Like, it's not about your team the same way other sports may be, the way football is. If your offensive line doesn't block, you're not running the ball. Um, you know, in hockey, if you don't play defense, you're not winning. Um, in basketball, you know, it's the individual is so important. And, and, and I think that's one of the fascinating things about tonight. Like, we haven't seen a star yet in, in the series. We've seen two really tough teams and go at it real hard. But we haven't seen one of those NBA breakout star kind of games, the way Kawhi did in, in previous rounds. Uh, the way Steph Curry did against Portland, um, you know, we don't even know if Clay Thompson's going to play. Uh, so it, it's really fascinating to me to see who becomes the star of this series and when. And and you know, this is only Game Three. I think you know, by impressions and by the fact that these teams are so beaten up, you know, we we may be going. And this might be a long series. Um, the other sort of outside-the-box question, I'm, I'm fascinated with the Oracle, just because as an old hockey guy, the Oakland Seals played there, was built for that. Uh, it's an old, old building. I would imagine it's been redone many times inside and out. When, when you're in that building, what is it like? I have to be honest. T- tonight will be the first time. Really? Um, I've not been there. I, got here, I just got here yesterday, and I... I and I wasn't able to get there for the uh, because of the flight. wasn't able to get there for the interview session. So I have not been there. Um, I didn't cover the NHL gym when the Golden Seals played. <laughs> I think it was the Cal. Wasn't it the Cal Palace back then? Well, they started there, but they eventually went over to yeah. what what is oh. now called the Oracle. Oh, the Oracle. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to it. And these are the last games, right? Yeah. They're they're, they're playing the rest of this series there, and they moved next year to. Apparently, an incredible facility in San Francisco. Uh, when you look at this game, I mean, I, I, I really agree with what you said. I mean, there, there's been great team results here, but nobody has uh, done what they're capable of. Kawhi could do that, and as you said, uh, Steph could do that. And in the past, it would have been LeBron. Do you see that happening, or do you think we're going to get a collection of games much like Games 1 and Games 2? Um, you know, one, th- one thing I've come to, you know, sort of, understand about this year's playoffs and probably every year's playoffs but i've i've covered them so much closer this year so i you know i tend to be during doing stanley cup at this time of year um but what i've come to notice is that if there's absolutely no correlation from game to game to game to game um you know we saw that in the milwaukee series we saw it in the philadelphia series every time you thought one team was in a position milwaukee's up to nothing you know they're in a great position in the in the Raptors series. They're they're trailing and against Philly, and you thought they're not in very good shape. And they're not playing very well. and They're not big enough to play this team. And and then things change, and and that's what you know. That's the nice thing to to watch. And I think it's happening in the Stanley Cup now too. If you look, yeah. You know, look at so I mean Boston just killed St. Louis in Game Three, and then St. Louis comes back and wins Game Four. There doesn't seem to be any momentum that goes game to game to game at this level at this time of year. Right. And so, you know, sort of let it, let's, let's have it unfold and let's see what's going to unfold. But, you know, basketball being the star-driven sport that it is, you know, will, will it be Kawhi? Especially if Clay Thompson's out, because Clay Thompson's been playing on him, a, you know, a fair bit. Um, uh, if Clay Thompson's out, that, that hurts the Warriors offensively and defensively. Uh, as opposed to usually when a star goes out, usually he'll he'll hurt you in one way. He's kind of their Kawhi, um, not as not as individual necessarily, but 
but he is an absolute you know beast as a defender and you know as good a shooter as you're ever going to see. And so his health is really significant to tonight and and the rest of the series, as is Kevin Durant's health. Um, and so until you know who's playing and how and why, boy, it's hard it's hard to get a sense of, of what's going on. Except for this one, uh, there's an opportunity here for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean that's what you're left with, right? Is is the door is is ajar? The the Warriors are not as strong as they once were, and they played a lot of basketball over the last five years, and, and I don't know if vulnerable is the right word. I, I like opportunity. There is a, a real solid opportunity for the Raptors, isn't there? Well, you think about it. Durant might be the best player in the world right now. Uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, are if they're not the two best shooters in the world, they're in the top four, and maybe two of the best all time. Uh, and, and so you look and you compare the Raptors. Raptors have... Kawhi, and then after that, they have a lot of good, smart basketball players, but there's no all-timers in that list. There's no best best at this or best at that. And so you play a Warriors team that doesn't have Durant and it doesn't have Thompson healthy, even if he plays or does, he's not going to play healthy, and Iguodala's beaten up a little bit, and they lost uh, Looney, one of their you know 25-minute guys, and so you know, this isn't the Golden State Warriors of four consecutive NBA final uh, appearances, this being the fifth. This is what's left of the Golden State Warriors. And yeah, Kyle Lowry has a bad thumb, and yeah, Kawhi's limping almost all the time. Uh, he seems to, you know, limp on one leg, and then he limps on the other leg, and we're not sure exactly what his injuries are, but he's, he's playing hurt. Uh, and so, it, you know, it reminds me of that old second, was it... Uh, uh, what was that British comedy group where the guy lost his arms and he lost his leg? Oh, Monty yeah. Python. Monty Python. Yeah. Was the, come on and fight me. You know, that's what the series reminds me of. Yeah. You know, the, last guy, the guy with the last arms and the last legs is going to win. Yeah. Where are you going? I, re- <laughs> I, I, re- I referred to it this morning in, in my call. But this is a battle royal. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're a wrestling fan, you know, the last guy standing in the ring is going to win. Uh, it and, is, and that's that's the way it looks to me. It, it is fascinating, and, and you know, I think you, you're referring to that turning point, the TSN turning point that we used to always sort of analyze the series with. You can only do it retrospectively now, and I kind of enjoy that. Well, if you go back to Game Two, Iguodala makes the three to basically, you know, give the Warriors the win. Raptors have a chance if he doesn't make that to come back, tie the game, and 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 then see what happens in overtime. Uh, Iguodala had gone 0 for 11 in his previous threes heading into game two. So it tells you how unique a shot that was for him to hit it at that moment. But that's, isn't that what champions do? Yeah, that's right. Steve, thanks for stopping by. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Uh, try and stay up late. Yes, so I have to, so it's extra coffee. Thank you. Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun at Simmons Steve is, is the Twitter account. Uh, you know, as, as he was talking there, I started to think about the Raptors roster, and, and certainly Kawhi Leonard leads the way with the talent. But but this is uh, this might be a blueprint for for other teams to follow in, in terms of you know uh, not only drafting and, and watching your players mature, and then deciding who you're going to move out uh, to to take the final step, but also the player development. Uh, that's a story that doesn't get covered much, but uh, clearly what the you know the the, the now D League team that that is. 
that plays on the outskirts of Toronto and, and uh, you know, that whole franchise when they, they bought it and moved it over there and, and how they develop people like, even like the, the head coach, Nick Nurse. I mean, that's not, uh, usually that, you know, the NBA is, uh, is a top end league and, and the, uh, as he said, the, the talent is allowed to, to strut itself. Uh, and generally, uh, you, you can buy yourself into, if you're not drafting in the first two picks or number one overall, you can buy yourself into a lot of these situations. And the Raptors have spent money. There's no question about that, but they did it sincerely and did it by developing players and asset management. Did a really nice job with that. So a little premature to go down that road because, of course, the Raptors haven't won anything, but something to put in the back file for if it does happen in a week and a half's time. Thanks for stopping by today. Our coverage continues. Andy Petrello has Leafs lunch at the top of the hour, then Matt Cause, then Overdrive, and then the pregame show as we get set for Game 3. All live here on TSN 1050.